Hello, welcome to the Film Obsessed Couple. I'm Shelly. And I'm Scott. If you're a new listener, we appreciate you choosing us to listen to, and we also appreciate our longtime listeners. Scott and I are a married couple obsessed about movies. Scott is more analytical, while I'm a little more open-minded. We are unscripted and unfiltered, which means things will get a little wild and crazy. So you better buckle up. Yes. If you were to go and rate and leave five stars on iTunes, we will give you a shout out in the episodes. Yes. And make sure you leave your name and where you're from so we know who to shout out. Yes. We won't give like last names or anything. I don't think it does last names. Unless you type it in. You know, even if you put last names in there, I won't. I, yeah, I won't. I don't feel that's a good idea. But we'll say your name. Yes. So what movie are we doing today? Rebel Moon. Yes, part one of Child of Fire. So we were thinking of some things to do here, and the movie we were going to plan to do, we're going to do next time. So stay tuned to the end when we talk about that. Mm-hmm. But this movie had come out, and it was just getting such bad reviews that I'm like, I think it would be fun to talk about. And you were right. It was very fun to watch, for sure. So Yeah, we haven't really talked. About, I mean, we have talked on our own about it, and it's always been very fun. Yes. So we'll just transfer that energy that we had, the fun energy we had, into watching this into now talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is difficult, you know, if you've never done a podcast like this before. It can be hard to kind of make sure you talk about the things or, you know, try and get your points across that you want. Yeah, no, for sure. So I take it you had not heard of this movie by the time I brought it up. Absolutely not. Nope. And and I feel so bad for Anthony Hopkins. Like, what's he doing? He, I believe he's in his 90s. Yeah, what's he doing in his 90s doing <sighs> this shit? I was thinking about this this morning when I went and got the groceries. This could have been his last movie. No, don't like, say that. Well, I know, you know, I'm crossing myself here. <laughs> but, you know... If I was him, I'd be like, I only want to be in the best movies. I could go at any moment. But he's like, I want to do this shitty-ass movie where I only narrate it and then I'm in it for five seconds. Well, okay. So science, as you get older, your brain cells do go. Yeah. As we can see in our political environment. But, um, so maybe... Maybe this is my rationale that, you know, maybe he just doesn't know any better right now. And he's just like, well, if I've got the time, sure, I'll help these guys out and try to make their movie better. No, Anthony Hopkins, you cannot make this movie better. No, and he's 86. I just looked it up, so. Oh, gosh, you were aging him? Well, not in, yeah, he's not in his 90s, but, I mean, he's close. He is close. Um, he seems to be in good health, but he's still killing it. He won an Oscar a couple of years ago for that movie, The Father. Yeah. Where he had Alzheimer's. He was insane in that movie. He was great. He's amazing, which is my point. What the fuck's he doing in this movie? I don't know. He does these movies every now and again where it's got to just be for paychecks, which at 86, what are you going to do with it? His kid's got like a <laughs> drug addiction or something or gambling. I don't know. Don't put it in a retirement fund. You're already retired. He should be, but <laughs> well, I'm glad that he's not. But um, he was in the Transformers movies. He was in the last one, I believe. Again, doing shitty narr- narration. He was like, thousands of years ago, these Transformers were here. Dude, you know I like the Transformers. I know they're awful movies, but I like them. Have you seen all of them, though? No. Okay. <laughs> the last of the Michael Bay ones, the last of the Michael Bay ones got pretty crazy. They're like yeah. two hours and 45 minutes. 
of just stupidity. Mark Wahlberg's in there. I mean, I'll give you credit. Yes, I know they're not good, but for some reason they just remind me of my childhood and and just fond memories, and I just don't even give a shit what the movie is like. I love them anyway. That Bumblebee movie I thought was really good, mm-hmm. the one we watched, and then the newest one that came out, Rise of Beasts, was okay. Michael Bay doesn't have anything to do with them, I don't believe, so they're actually pretty decent. Yeah, but still, you know, I'm not, I'm just, Anthony Hopkins did not make this movie better. He's barely in it. He narrates the beginning, and then he's a robot in it, so you know he probably did the voiceover from his bed, maybe. Maybe, and maybe he'll be more in part two, the way that it ended. I have to assume that he was, or that he will be, which I have a theory about this movie. I have a couple theories about this movie, going through my notes, and we were watching parts of it, because Mm. I... Taking notes, you know, while you watch a movie, some of it gets a little lost by the wayside if you're trying to get your idea down while you're writing it and the movie keeps going. Um, I did catch a little bit more because I was watching some scenes here and there. Didn't go through the whole two-hour and 15-minute movie again. Yeah, Which is really only two hours because the last bit of it is like 10 to 15 minutes of credit. Yeah, credits. Oh, jeez. But, I mean, Anthony Hopkins kind of lubes you up a little bit in the beginning. (laughs) But I don't know if it loops you up enough to to have what happens, which I'll let you explain. Shelly and I really didn't get the first part of this down because Anthony Hopkins is narrating. But the first shot of this movie is a wormhole opens up and the wormhole is a gigantic space vagina. <laughs> it opens and it is a vagina hole. It is just like it. it's got the, you know. The labia. The the outside. It's got the layers. It's just, it opens in like a, it's not a, you know, it's like a vagina. It's open for business. It It is. It is open. <laughs> we'll post a picture. So if oh, I have to. If you do not follow us on social media, we are on Instagram or Facebook. Follow us. If you haven't watched the movie, just looking at this picture is worth it. Yes, and so we're laughing super hard at this. It's the first image, and Anthony Hopkins is trying to get you interested in this movie. And he's like, wait wait a minute, there's going to be a giant vagina over this, on the screen while I'm talking over? No one's going to listen to me, Zach. No, <laughs> we had to pause it, wait for myself to get under control, because I was hysterical and uh, crying, you know, I just... I had to wipe the tears away and yeah. we had to try to, we had to restart it and I had to keep trying to compose myself because all I see is a vagina with a big space dick coming through. Yeah, that's another, that's part two of this whole thing is that there's a space cock coming through it. Mm-hmm. It's a ship and it's got a big head on the end of it and it's flying through this space vagina hole. It sure is. And I am dying. I'm dying. Yeah, and Anthony Hopkins is trying his best. He's like, look over here. Look, hey. Look over here. <laughs> Pay no attention to that vagina and the penis coming through it. Just close your eyes and listen to my voice. <laughs> a thousand kings ruled. Hey, hey. A thousand kings ruled on this planet called the Mother World. Repeat what I said. <laughs> <laughs> this will be on the exam. See, on the exam, I asked, how many years did the kings rule and you wrote space vagina? <laughs> that wasn't even an option. <laughs> but he says this whole thing of like, a thousand kings ruled in succession until they used up all of the resources on Mother World. So they decided to go into space. So Mother World is Earth? They never say that. That's just like where the 
kings and the king and queens were at mm. one point. Uh, so they decided to expand, go into space. There was brutal, brutal wars for them expanding like that, until one day the king and the queen and the family were assassinated. Damn. And once that happened, all of the other planets were like, oh my god, we should jump in here and rebel against all these people. But a young general named Belarus mm -hmm. seized power and sent his most brutal general out in this penis dreadnought to go find planets and stop them from becoming rebels. And then it's like, Rebel Moon, part one. Hmm. And, and you said it afterwards, but I was like, this movie threatens you, and you're like, it threatens you at the beginning when it's like part one. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, fuck, there's going to be more. Yeah, we're going to um, penetrate you and threaten you. I mean, I feel violated. <laughs> Already. So this movie is a amalgamation of many, many, many different movies that have already been made and have been made better. Zack Snyder, who's the director of this, apparently pitched this as a Star Wars movie when Disney bought Star Wars back in the mid-2000s, and they were like, this sounds pretty shitty. I mean, like, in the script, you write space vagina at the beginning? I don't <laughs> think this is going to work. Um, apparently, and I don't think you've ever seen it, but Zack Snyder's favorite movie is Seven Samurai. And I was kind of telling you the plot of it. Mm -hmm. The movie's been remade several times, and it's kind of like a ton of movies have taken from that story and made their own. But it's basically this. These bandits, it's like in the old, I, I don't know, 1800s maybe? Mm. The time's a little blurry on that. but A long time ago. The, the time on when that takes place is blurrier than the scenes in this movie we're, we're talking oh, about. Oh, shit, yeah, we'll get to that. But it's olden days, and these bandits come to this small Japanese village, and they're like, hey, we're hungry, we want all of your wheat, food, and they're like, well, it won't be ready, and they're like, we're going to come back and take all your food, and if it's not ready, we'll kill you all. And they're like, oh my god, we need to hire samurai to help us. So they hire seven samurai to help them defeat the bandits, and they train this town, and then there's a huge battle at the end. You almost described this whole movie. Yes, which is just fucking ridiculous, because as we'll go through it, but basically that is the main plot of this movie. Mm, I'm going to take my favorite movie and just make my own movie that is almost identical. Yeah, I mean, you know, other movies have, have remade it. They did... The Magnificent Sevens, it's all about these cowboys trying to, they get hired to stop all these bandits, you know. That was like the American remake of this Japanese movie, The Seven Samurai. Okay. So it's it's not uncommon to see that storyline kind of replayed, where it's like, oh, we've got to hire people to protect us. And I think if this was done a little differently, it could have been okay. Like if they would have made some changes. No, I get you're right. I mean, this there could be a good movie here at some point. But what's really making me upset about this is now this movie got released, didn't get a good lot of good reviews. And then Zack Snyder's like, well, you know what? There's a there's a special edition director's cut that's going to come and it's going to make it tons better. Mm. And I'm like, you already did that. He released Justice League. You know, unfortunately, he had to step away for terrible reasons. You can read up. I'm not going into it. But had to step away from that movie. That got finished without his input. People didn't care for it. And for years, they were like, oh, we got to get the Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut. It's mm -hmm. going to be amazing. And then COVID hit, and he had the resources to make that movie that he wanted to. So he released his version, which was four hours. I didn't still think it was that great. 
but people were the people that had made their entire identities about it were like, it's the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> They're like, I said it was going to be great. I got to stick to it. Yeah, it's the people that were like, well, I supported Trump in the beginning, and if I turned on him now, people will think I'm an idiot. Mm. So I can't. I'm all in. Be like, well, people still think you're an idiot. Yeah, it's still. So <laughs> now he's doing the same shit again where he's like, well, you know, Netflix... You know, I had to cut a lot out of the movie I wanted to make, and I'm sorry this sucks, but my Snyder cut of this will be great. Like, you had one chance with that. What? You can't do that with every movie now to be like, well, they cut me down, and I really have to, I had to change it. No, the length is not the problem. The, the, The actual footage, like what the video of it. Yeah, the technical side of it, like the, yeah, the I don't know that words, the cinematography and stuff, but I don't know the Justice League four hour cut that he did. I didn't care for it. I don't think he added things that made it better. Mm. I highly doubt that there's a cut of this movie that makes it better. But you know what? We'll watch it for you guys. Yeah, if you like this episode, if you go give us five stars on this episode, like we'll we'll watch it and we'll we'll talk about vaginas and shit. So all that to say is, you just can't do that. You just can't make a movie now and be like, well, the next, the best one is going to be the director's cut that's coming out. Mm-mm. So after the space vagina and Anthony Hopkins narration, we go to the planet of the main character. Her name is Coral. Coral? Cora. Yeah. But I was saying it like Coral every time I'd write it. <laughs> and what do you think that she does on this planet? What do you think that they do to make a living here? They farm. They farm wheat or food, whatever. They farm. Because they, she's digging holes. Like old timey. Like, um, oh, I don't know what it's called. I'm sure some. Like the plow? Yeah. The plow with the she, horses. She was plowing it. <laughs> plowing those fields. <laughs> and she's like loving this soil. She's like got it up in her face and she's like pouring it like oh i'm making such a big difference here i love it and they're like uh i don't know they almost seem kind of pagan because they go to their like their main like area where they all meet and i'm assuming eat and have dinner and stuff and cory stoll is the leader of this this town i don't town but like village yeah yeah they're a small little collection of people and Corey Stoll, if you've seen him before, for I don't think you've seen him, but he was in Ant-Man. He was the villain in the first Ant-Man movie. He was in the first season of House of Cards for a bit. He looked familiar. But he's got this gigantic fake beard. Oh, it's fake? I would have to assume. He's got little braids. like Yeah, he's like Viking kind of almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his name is Sindri, which is the name of one of the dwarves in the God of War games. Oh, yeah. But he's all like, hey... In order to make all this, the seeds sprout and all that, we've got to start fucking. Mm-hmm. So he's like, so get it on and make the harvest come in by coming <laughs> in. in. In your space vaginas. And, I mean, and he said it, you know, like he was like, make love, not war. <laughs> oh, they're hippies. I mean, kind of. They're space hippies. Oh, God. Space village hippies. Vikings. This is in this whole area here was the first time I noticed that this the camera is very distorted. Ugh, that really bothered me in this movie. I know, and the Batman with Robert Pattinson that came out, it did that a bit, 
it had some distortion around the edges, mm-hmm. and it's like a style, but this is like terrible. Like the whole thing is distorted. It had moments where like someone would be standing and the other person would be crouching mm-hmm. and the person standing, their head was distorted. Yes. So when they talked, all I'm seeing is their distorted head. And I'm like, this is annoying. This is not visually pleasing to me. Yeah, it's throughout the movie. It's not just one time where it was like, oh, fuck, I think I filmed that scene with the camera mm-hmm. not focused. Mm-hmm. Eh, it'll be okay. It's like he did the, it's a conscious choice throughout. Like who should have caught that? Like when they were editing, maybe? Well, no, I guess it's just his, what he wanted to have done. He was a like. style? Yeah. Because mm. like, we'll have to rewatch the Batman at some point. But I remember being in the theater watching that and being like, is the projector out of focus in some of these mm. scenes? Because the Batman does it a bit. But it's like the edges of the scene, the scene are more so out of focus. It's like bringing your attention to one spot. Right. But, like, this is like, oh, that man's talking and he's out of focus. Yeah, I get that goal of <laughs> yeah. of focusing into one area. But when the person that is actually talking is in the blurry area, that's that's doesn't seem like a style is more as like a rookie mistake. What, yeah, no, it, it makes no sense. And Zack Snyder was his own cinematographer on this. He did it himself. Hmm. So he's no one else to blame. And I bet they were like, Okay, Zach, I set the camera up for you, man. I got it all focused and ready to go. And he's like, how about this? How about out of focus? And they're like, uh, I don't think that looks great. And he's like, no, 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 it's stylized. People are like, who's talking? I don't know. Where are they? <laughs> I'm focused in the middle, and there's somebody up here talking out of focus. I don't know what's happening. People are like, is my TV fucked up? Is the projector out of focus? <laughs> They're going to be so distracted, they won't know this is a terrible movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck. I'm, I filmed this movie and it sucks dick. Make it out of focus. <laughs> they came in later. <laughs> it's just like, put a blur around the whole thing. Who cares what it looks like? They can't see how badly this looks if it's all out of focus. Oh, man. One thing there is to note is that she does have this old man that she lives with, Cora does. And I yeah. thought it was her dad. But we find out later it's just some dude that found her in a crashed spaceship on this planet years ago. Right. And it is funny because he's like trying to get her the fuck out of this house. And I thought it was just the dad being like, hey, you're old enough. Get the fuck out. Because he's like, oh, you know that man you're always talking to? How about you go talk to him at the big meeting tonight? And she's like, you want to talk about how Zack Snyder doesn't understand how people talk? She's like, hmm, I don't know how to love. And I think that that is removed from me, from mm. loving again. Mm. And I'm like, no one talks like that. Maybe. And just be like, uh, I don't know. I don't really feel like talking to that guy tonight. But she's like, love, it has been beaten out of me. I don't know how to love anymore. I mean, if she talked like that through the whole movie, then I'd be like, okay, maybe that's just the language of the time. But she doesn't. And I get what they they were trying to be like. She's you know, reserved and doesn't want to let people in and hiding from other people and 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 doesn't even explain why she's living with this guy. Right. Like, you get a little bit of it. It's just so small of a village they have to shack up with, you know, have a roommate. I guess he's like, you know, when I found you several years ago, I was like, oh, I'll I'll heal you back up and get you on your feet and then you can move in. But you're like, 
you can move into your own place. You're like, no, I'll uh, I'll work, but uh, I'm not getting my own place. Yeah, no, I can't. And this is why he's trying to push her on this other dude. And he's like, you know, he's single. He has his own fucking path. He's single, ready to mingle. The next morning, they see the big spaceship penis come. and mm. So I have a theory about this woman, and we'll get to it here in just a second. But there is this other woman in the village. She's got, like, blonde hair, and I call her, like, the water maiden because she's always bringing water here in a minute. Oh, yeah. Uh, I get her name later. Sam? Sam is what I was thinking, yeah. She sees the ship and tells Cora about it, and Cora's like, oh, my God, I've got to warn everybody. So she sets off the town bell, and everyone gathers. It did make me laugh because everyone's, like, standing, looking up as these tiny ships from it drop down, and these tiny ships land right in front of them, and all these people are getting fucked in the face with this dust. Yeah, and I don't quite understand why she rang this bell because nobody did anything. I don't know. You'd think that would be like their warning bell or something, but they're all just like, whoo. They, they just stand there. Like, yeah, if it was a warning bell, I'd be running around and, you know, doing something. Like maybe they have like a plan, a defense of something. Yeah. But no. But they're, they call themselves simple farmers so many times mm. in this movie. So they're simple farmers. So they don't know how to do simple things. Mm-hmm. We meet the villain of the movie. His name is, uh, real name is Ed Screen. And I don't know what his name in the movie is. He's a general. He's the general Anthony Hopkins was telling everybody about. Admiral, Admiral Atticus Noble. Atticus Noble. The names in this movie are so stupid, too. Mm-hmm. But he comes down, and he looks like a, a YouTube rapper, basically. You know, he's got, like, this hair, but he's also got face tattoos. <laughs> he's got the worst bowl cut in the world. Absolutely. I don't know what it is about our movies and bowl cuts. <laughs> this looks like a mini bowl cut. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if it's just something that the the military has to do, because they all seem to have bad haircuts. Mm-hmm. But he lands, and he's got all these troops with him, and he gives... Corey Stoll, the leader of the village, a hug as he arrives, and he's all like, oh, the Empire embraces you, and he gives him a hug, and Corey Stoll's like, what the fuck is this shit? Basically this is Ed Screen is like, look, we're looking for rebels in the area, but we need food, and we heard that you guys are pretty good at doing it, so we want your food. And before they landed, Cora told Corey Stoll, Sindri's character, to be like, just give them what they want. Don't tell them how great we are at farming. Just give them what they want, and they will go away. Mm-hmm. So Ed Screen's all like, hey, we want some food because we're going to be in this area for a bit. And and Corey Stroll's like trying to be super nice and cool to him, but he's like, you know, it's been a hard winter for us, and we really don't have the shit to give. Yeah, we only have enough to feed ourselves, asshole, so we can't feed you too. We can give you maybe a little. Because what we found out, I know we're jumping all over the place here, but there is another character in here named Gunner, mm. which is funny because the general noble in here and this guy Gunner played the same character on Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. Ed Screen, the general, played Dario Naharis, who was the queen Daenerys. Oh, okay. The dragon lady. He played her like right hand man when they were in that uh, kind of prison, Egypt type area. Okay. He was like her mercenary dude, but Ed Screen played the played the character for like two episodes, and then they came back, and then this guy that was playing Gunner had replaced him. Okay. And that's mostly all of the IMDb trivia. Wow. They're like, hey, hey, did you know? Hey, hey, hey. They played the same character. 
<laughs> Game of Thrones. You think they talked about it? <laughs> He's like, hey, I, I was your character. And the guy's probably like, uh, sure, thanks, buddy. Yeah, good job. But the thing they don't talk about is this guy, Gunner, said he was giving some of their reserves to the rebels in this area. Mm-hmm. And as they're all, as the people are all coming down, they're having a conversation real quick, and they're like, oh, fuck, like, you gave them our food, man, and if they find out, we're going to get fucking killed. Yeah. So when Ed Screen comes down, he's like, hey, I need this food, and Sindri is all like, you know, I don't think so at this point. You know, our winter was hard, and Screen even has a line where he's like, you guys look all very healthy and well-fed for having a bad winter. Mm-hmm. Gunner does, you know, he, he can sense the room, or he can read the room and tell that this is going bad. So he's like, listen, man, we'll give you the food. We'll give you the food. We'll give you all that we need, all you need, and, and call it good. And, you know, Sindri is like, don't listen to that motherfucker. And because of that, Screen pulls out this, like, cane. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess is made out of, like, adamantium from marvel or something it's like unbreakable it's insane he's like mm, i know what it's like you gotta get your second in command and control and he just kills Sindri with it he hits him in the head once and this guy's dead yeah you think he's gonna go after gunner but then yeah. he turns it and i'm just like no and Corey still is like thank god i'm out of this movie i know i hate this movie but still it's sad well the dumb part is is that Corey stole's like wife whatever um, comes rushes over to him and one of the military guys pulls out a lightsaber it uh. is an actual star wars lightsaber <laughs> and kills this woman if it was me and i mean rolls reverse i'd be like yeah just kill me you kill my husband just kill me off yeah it's fine so screen is like well he's like you said you could get us the food that we need how long will it take you to get it and he's gunner's like nine weeks and he's like great we'll be back in 10 see you later yeah, and he's like, um, uh, he wanted 10 bushels, and Gunner's like, but we barely make 12, and he's like, too bad. Yeah, he says something like, I want everything. Yeah, because, and that's what Cora said. Cora's like, they will take everything if you let them, basically, and Sindrid tried, but Gunner was just a fucking moron. Yeah. I think Sindri was kind of a moron here, too. Cora told him, like, look, just tell them what they want to hear and get them the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. But Sindri had to be like, I'm sticking up for my people. Mm. So they leave behind a battalion of soldiers on this planet while the big ship leaves. And these guys are just assholes. They're fucking around with this guy named Private Harris. He's like a younger guy on this military team. Mm -hmm. Private Harris opens up this box and activates a robot, which is Anthony Hopkins. His name is Jimmy the Robot, which Jim? is a very sci-fi name. Yeah. Love it. How to know that these other military guys are bad is the lady with the water comes over and they're all like eyeing her. Eye-fucking her. Yeah. Yeah. And she does walk away at this point, but they also start throwing shit at Anthony Hopkins' robot. Like throwing rocks and stuff at him. Because they're like, well, after um, the fall of the... Big Empire, people, the king and queen, yeah. Yeah, they, they don't fight back anymore, so they are just, like, taunting him, and it, and he didn't. Like, he was getting the shit beat out of him. I'm like, you don't want to kill this robot because he's here to help you. Yeah, I know. It, it's also very funny is because in the background, I happen to notice it out of the corner of my eye. When they're throwing shit at the robot, 
you see this like space horse thing shit on the ground. No. And I'm like, why did we have that? I didn't notice that. And then <laughs> it's only there because when they throw a rock at Anthony Hopkins one too many times, he falls into the shit. Oh, okay. I was like, all right. They set it up because obviously people would be like, well, where did that shit on the ground come from? It can't just be there. I had to see the thing shit it out. It was a fresh pile. <laughs> nice and warm. So they, they stop and even one guy is all like, are you damaged? And Anthony Hopkins is like, but no, I am not. I'm, I'm fine. And they're like, go clean yourself off, you fucking robot piece of shit. Yeah, so he, he literally goes to the river, and I'm like, oh, I guess he's not going to, like, short circuit or anything. I know. He's bathing in the water, and I'm like, is this their drinking water? Because you're washing shit off in it. Yeah. It'd be funny if the water, the water lady does come up here, Sam, and she's, like, talking to the robot. So she's like, oh, you know, this is where I get our water. Um, you just washed all that shit <laughs> off into it. <laughs> I'll give these this water to the soldiers. Yeah, the military guys are going to get this shit water. They'll get E. coli. It'll be great. So here's my theory. Watching this part again, because Anthony Hopkins, this is like one of the first of many times people just tell you the plot. Is he's all like, have you ever heard the story of our princess? And she's like, no. And he's like, oh, she was beautiful. And when she was, we were like me and my robot brothers were made to protect the royal family. And when she was born... Like, everybody said there was hope and peace were in the galaxy again. Mm. And he's like, unfortunately, the king, queen, and the princess were all murdered on her coronation day. And he's like, and it felt like that peace and hope left again. She's like, well, that peace and hope still lives in you, though. And she's making him, like, a little crown of uh, sunflowers and puts it on his head. Yeah. So, spoiler alert for a little bit later in the movie, we find out that Cora was a military person with the empire whatever yeah she had the same awful haircut and everything everybody else did too mm -hmm. and she was guarding the princess she was so good at her job that she was assigned guard duty to the princess of the king and queen mm. but the king and queen and princess were murdered we hear was it the same ones i thought maybe this was a different i'm under the impression it's the same okay so here's the thing anthony hopkins says this water lady reminds him of the princess Maybe oh. it's hinted at. And stay with me, everybody. Get your get your charts out and your tinfoil hats. Mm -hmm. It's hinted at that maybe Cora was the one that killed the king and queen, and kidnapped the took her princess? away. Maybe oh. took her away. Okay, this is making it a little interesting. Because at the or in the middle of the movie, where she kind of explains herself, she's like, "I was on detail with the princess. I was and." She was so beautiful and lovely, and I, she had the power to bring things back to life. And slow-mo, it shows this dog bringing, like, a dead bird to the princess, and she brings this bird back to life. Mm. So, Which I guess that's the thing in this movie, too, is all the slow motion. Well, you said that's Zack Snyder's thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much slow-mo in this movie. But watching this again, my whole thing is like, okay, okay, what if she killed the king and queen because... You know, they're doing space war and shit like that. Mm. But she killed the king and queen. Maybe even had to do it under the, the general Belarus, whatever his orders. Maybe he told her to do it because mm. we found out that she's under his orders later. Right. But couldn't bring herself to bring kill the princess. She comes to this planet and escape crash lands, maybe hides the princess first. And then, I don't know. They didn't really say mm. anything about that maiden because they would have to be like, Oh, the water lady came here the same time you did. 
Yeah, that's kind of weird. But I, I get what you're saying. It's, yeah. it's a possibility. I guess we've been talking about it. We can get her backstory out here later because she literally tells us in a little bit. But she's like, I was basically, you know, my home world was raised and destroyed by the empire, the mm. motherland. You know, they didn't give us any chance. They just destroyed our planet and killed my entire family. And the general who was leading this was Belarus. And he found me one day in the wreckage, and I was going to kill him, and he gave me his... I had a gun, and he put it against his head, and I pulled the trigger, but it was empty. And he took me with him and raised me as his own, and I was raised into the brutality of the Empire, and she became her own, like, a military commander. Um, Yeah, so she was part of the Empire until she says that she escaped. Yeah, that's so sick. And he took her as his own daughter. Yeah. And that's what... He calls her, it's disgusting. I mean, if you really think about it, and, and yeah, like, oh, you were, you were a badass enough at eight or nine years old to try to kill me. I'm going to raise you to be the worst assassin ever. I'm going to raise you to one day potentially kill me in the future. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of jumping around, but that's her backstory because she literally tells you it in like 10 minutes, but... So later that night on the planet, the military guys are all, like, hanging out in this barn having a good time. And the lady with the water comes in, and, oh, they start to start to grab at her. Mm. And, of course, we have to have an almost rape scene in this Snyder movie. Right, because Cora, at first, she's like, I'm getting out of here. You yeah. know, I've seen this. I do not want to witness this again. I'm getting the fuck out. Yeah, and her adoptive father, or whatever the fuck he is to her, is like... Please help us and fight. And she's like, I've seen what they do. We got to get the fuck out of mm-hmm. here. Fuck this people. Fuck mm-hmm. this town. Mm-hmm. Get your passport. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. But they start grabbing this lady, Sam, and the one dude who's kind of nice, Private Harris, who was nice to the robots, like, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. And one of the military guys, the commander, is like, I'm going to break this young sapling in two. Yeah, they say some really crude shit. So Cora grabs like a big axe, goes in, and it's a big ass slow mo fight of her taking all these guys out. I'm like, I knew she was a badass. Yeah. Yeah, because we haven't learned her backstory here yet, but she does take all these people out. Do you remember what happens to Private Harris? I was trying to find in my notes, but I can't remember if he lives or gets the nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, he lives. Okay. To be seen in part two, maybe I don't he know. He surrenders. Yeah, you don't see him anymore. This whole movie. But my guess is that he stays at the village to help him. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Um, So a guy's holding Sam hostage. He's got like a gun to her head or whatever, knife to her throat, something like that. Mm. And they're kind of in a stalemate. And Anthony Hopkins' robot comes in and picks up like the rifle and he's holding it like sideways. And the guy's like, robot, kill them. The robot has to do everything that he says. So when he says kill him, I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe he's going to kill everybody. Yeah, but Anthony Hopkins is like, well, she listened to me ramble on for a while and put some flowers on my head, so I'm going to kill this guy. And he shoots the general in the head, not even really holding the gun. Yeah, it was almost like an accident, but I don't think it was. Yeah. It made it seem like he was like, oopsie, I accidentally pulled the trigger (laughs) and killed you. Well, it's so funny that you say that because he runs away. He's like, (laughs) daintily runs out of the frame. (laughs) Wait, explain yourself. Are you in love with Sam? 
Are you guys going to have little robot babies? I don't know. Well, the town comes in and sees this, and Cora's like, we have to fight. Mm-hmm. So we cut to the old guy who raised her, or, or gave her shelter at least, and he's like, here's this gun I found. It's super awesome. When you crashed, I found it in your ship. Should have probably given it to you last night when you took all those guys on. Anyway, here it is. Hopefully it helps. I kind of felt like it was her old, her own gun. Like it was her fancy gun. Well, it's the gun she had when she was a military person. Right. He said he found it in her ship when she crashed, so he was holding on to it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fancy. And they were like, well, what are we going to do now? And Cora's like, we will find General Titus. He is one of the greatest generals of all time, and he shall help us. And they're like, okay. And she's like, I just watched this movie called Seven Samurai. Got the initial idea of it here. Let's try that. And this, I mean, we're farmers too, just like the characters in the movie. Yeah, yeah. And we don't need seven. I mean, we just get what we can get. (laughs) And I put in here, it's like, they've killed all these military guys. And they're like, great, we have nine weeks until the military comes back. And I'm like, wouldn't you think that those military guys would check in with the other guys on the planet? Mm, yeah, you had a very good point. Uh, I made a joke here where it was like, you know, Ed Screen, the general, calls in and he's like, uh, yes, how is everything going down there? And they're like, uh, everything's going fine. We're finding a lot of ligma. They're like, ligma what? Ligma balls? <laughs> Who is this? General dumbass, is that you again? Sick in Star Wars when Han Solo is pretending to be someone else in the Death Star. He's like, oh, yeah, we're fine. We're fine. How are you? (laughs) Um, This is the whole scene where her and Gunner are going to, like, this spaceport on the planet. But she tells him her whole backstory. And it's very funny. She tells him this and she goes, I wanted to tell you this so you could know who I am. I'm like, no shit. (laughs) Like, why else would she tell it? Oh, really? But uh, speaking of Star Wars, we get a huge ripoff here because this spaceport they go to is definitely like the cantina area in the first Star Wars movie Mm. where Luke and Obi-Wan go to find a pilot to get off the planet. What? Yeah. Wow. You've seen Star Wars, right? I have. Okay. (laughs) When you did that, I was like, never seen it. (laughs) And Korra's even wearing like a Jedi cape at this point, too. She's got like this white cape on. I'm like, boy, just ripping them off. (sighs) It's crazy. They see this dude um, captured by bounty hunters, and these bounty hunters look like the orcs in Lord of the Rings. Mm. Another. But they capture this dude with, like, a space scorpion. It's like a robot. Oh, yeah. Its tail, like, captures the dude and holds him in the body underneath him, walks while he's, like, captured. The whole time I'm like, man, this looks like something. What does it look like? It's a scorpion. <laughs> scorpion. My goodness. And Gunner's like, well, that sucks. That's the guy we were going to have to talk to for help. And she's like, well, find somebody else. And they go into this bar, which is exactly you know what happens in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And this dude tries to buy Gunner for sex. He's like an alien dude. And he's like. He's like a pig looking guy, isn't he? Yeah. He's like, oh, this one's a beautiful one. I love him. And he like holds his dick. He grabs it. Yeah. She's like, oh, fuck off. And. The guy leaves pissed off at him. And and then Cora's like, does anyone know where I can find General Titus? This was the only kind of cool design I thought. This bug creature starts talking. He's like mm. a bug, but it's 
talking through a man that it's like controlling with his tentacles of some sort <laughs> yeah i thought it was kind of interesting looking it was yeah they had some it was like there's a bunch of different characters in this bar mm-hmm. uh like from different planets almost it looked like like a bunch of different aliens in one bar just yeah drinking it up this alien thing controlling the dude is like oh, i last heard that general titus was on pollux and um cora's like well we've got to go to pollux then and gun is like what well for that we're gonna have to find a ship and she's like now you're catching on i'm like catching on to what that's like the next step like we have to go somewhere we're gonna have to get off this planet have to find a ship yeah there's nothing to catch on it is just simple math so we get you know the the pig dude who was trying to buy gunner for sex comes back with more guys we get a longer slow-mo fight. Mm. Uh, everybody gets murdered by Korra, and except for the main dude who gets... He calls Korra a bitch, which, thanks Zack Snyder, that was really needed. <laughs> um, but he gets Korra gets saved by Charlie Hunnam, who is playing Kai. Yeah. And he's got a terrible Irish accent in this movie. He's like, I figured I would save you, Tartatitar. He's like, you're very interesting to me. Hire. And he's got those, like, weird teeth. He's they're, got, like, uh, yeah, silver teeth. They're capped, yeah. It's like, a, grill. Like, okay. You a rapper? <laughs> okay, well, it's like rappers, inner, you know, influence this movie because Screen has, like, a bunch of tattoos on his face. Yeah. And he's like, I'll help you. And he's like, you're very interesting to me, and the, I love the best, you know, the best offer in me world and gonna get me some Guinness <laughs> but they they leave and this ship is like a freighter and it's like a ripoff of the Millennium Falcon from Star Wars so in my notes I was calling it the Millennium Falcon. oh nice uh we get Ed Screen again aboard his ship and he's like hooking up weird cables and shit to his body and his second in command's like, oh, we've got contact from some bounty hunters about the rebels. And so they've got some information. And he walks over to his bed and there's like this tentacle creature mm-hmm. that starts like sucking on him with its tentacles. Mm-hmm. And he's like, great, we will talk to these men and find out where the rebels are. And this the CGI was not great. It's awful right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are some times when it's not so bad, but this time it, ugh, not good. So here we go. Now Charlie Hunnam's like, oh, I'm going to take you to find some warriors here. and Warriors. <laughs> warriors. <laughs> and they're, that, they'll help you fight people and we'll find General Titus. Mm. And so the first place they go to is like this desert place, very much looking like the first planet in Star Wars, Tatooine. Mm. But they meet this dude, and I guess it's just people that Charlie Hunnam knows, which... It makes a little sense later that he's bringing them to people that are probably the most wanted in the system. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because you're like, Why, who's this guy? Why are we here with this? Okay. But they were like, oh, this guy, he's a blacksmith. And I, uh, oh, sorry. This guy's the blacksmith and I heard he's the best. And this basically his name's Tarek and he is like got a chain on him and he's just making weapons for this fat dude. And they were like, well, how much does he owe you? And the guy's like, 300,000 derricks. And Charlie Hunnam was like, caution be gorda. 
<laughs> me lucky charms. That sounds like a lot. Yeah, because Cora's like, well, we don't have that money. And this guy's like, I tell you what, I do like to gamble. I will forget this 300000 debt if he tames that hippogriff over there. <laughs> Which, hippogriff is right out of Harry Potter. There's, there's this animal... It's. It looks like the thing. It looks like the it, hippogriff. It does, yeah. It's got an eagle's head with the beak and the claws, mm-hmm. but it's got a body with wings. Yep. So we're ripping off Harry Potter That's, here. It's crazy. It's the cutest little thing. The CGI, when it was up close, was really good. Like mm-hmm. you could see all the the feathers and uh, the eyes. It was it was so good. Yeah, it, it, it looks good in spots. So Tarek is basically like, well, I'll... I'll try and train this thing and it looks like he's not going to do it at first and surprise surprise he does yeah he talks to it in his language and he's like dude i know i know life sucks man but you just gotta roll with it he's like you're afraid and i'm afraid but we can't let him see fear Mm-hmm. and the thing like kind of calms down and he gets on it and he rides it which when he's riding it doesn't look great yeah, that's when the CGI turns like a awful turn and everything looks shitty. Yeah. So the he lands it and the, the fat guy who is like Watto in Star Wars because Star Wars Episode 1, they come to a, a desert planet, find this boy who could be the chosen one, and the guy's like, oh, I like to gamble. So they gamble for Anakin Skywalker. Mm. Anakin wins the pod race. They win his freedom. So when this guy's like, I like to gamble, I'm like, you're ripping Star Wars off right here. Oh, boy. So they win. He he lands this thing, and the guy's like, I know you owe me $300,000 or whatever the fuck, but that's fine. This thing shits gold, so that's going to make me my money back. Mm-hmm. Not explained. He's just like, you, you tame this one animal. You're good to go. And I'm like, okay, well, this guy tamed it, but that doesn't mean he's going to be okay with everybody. Right, so that's exactly what happens, is they leave, and as they're all about to get on the Millennium Falcon, uh, this guy tries to get on the beast, and it it throws him and stabs him in the chest with his claws. Yeah. And Tariq's like, that a girl. <laughs> he knew that was going to happen, I mean, of course. Right. So we move on to part two of the Seven Samurai, as we're on this Blade Runner planet. It's got, like, all this graffiti and shit, and it definitely looks like Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. we meet this Asian woman named Nemesis, who is dressed exactly out of the video game I love so much called Bloodborne. She's got, like, this hat, hunter's hat on that you can definitely get in the game. And they were like, oh, we heard you were the best on this planet, and we need your help. And she's like, uh, I'm kind of busy at the moment. I guess they're... The backstory for this is this mining planet, like, they all came to, like, mine out the planet resources, and there was a spider woman in here, and it's, like, fucking up her, she's like, oh, my, my eggs are weak, and I lose kids, so I'm gonna steal all the kids from the women for revenge. Yeah, he has someone's child in, in her grip. Yeah, yeah, she has a child, and this Asian woman's like, give me just a moment, I'm gonna fight this alien creature real quick. Well, not real quick, because it's slow-mo. And they fight. Surprise, surprise, the the nemesis pulls out two lightsabers again. Slow-mo slides under the spider and, like, slices her ass. Hmm, what do they call it? The body? Yeah, it's like the butt. The butt part, yeah. (laughs) The butt. (laughs) 
Um, the spider makes a very stupid mistake. She pulls Nemesis up by her like throat or something, and Nemesis just stabs her through the chest with her blades. Yeah, I'm like, her hands are free. Yeah, like take her swords away from her or something. Hello. And none of the people are wa- that are watching this help her, except for Gunner. He comes in and tries to help her. Tries well once the kid is loose. Gunner runs in, and I'm like, "You dumbass! What are you gonna do? You know, you can't fight." But you're a simple farmer. He, yeah, he does at least protect the kid. Yeah, everyone else is just like, "No, stay back! Let her do her thing." So after she kills this thing, they were like, "Oh, you're so great!" They don't even ask her to join them. She's just like, you know, um, Tarek, the blacksmith dude, is like, "That was amazing." She's like, "No." No, this could have been anybody. This could have been any one of us mm-hmm. laying in the gutter dead just because of some stupid rack of revenge. And she's like, revenge is not good. Yeah, then, but I'll I'll, dr- I'll, <laughs> I'll join your little revenge gang. She doesn't even say that. Like, <laughs> they cut to the next place they're going to, and she's just with them. She's like, okay. She's like, well, I guess I'm coming. I feel like, connected. <laughs> <laughs> well, her whole thing of revenge is so stupid because the next place they go to is to find... General Titus, and we're in gladiator land because it's just like a big Roman Colosseum. It's so crazy how, like, each planet, or I don't even know if they're going to a different planet, I'm guessing it has yeah. their own theme. It's it, again, it's like Star Wars because in Star Wars, you only see like desert planets, ice planets, or jungle planets. Mm. It's not like one planet can have multiple areas on it. Wow, but. This definitely made me think of Gladiator, which is ironic because Jaiman Hansu, who plays General Titus, was in Gladiator. And I'm like, well, this is going to be rough trying to find him because he could be anywhere. This is a huge planet. Oh, there he is. He's in the street. Mm. He's just passed out in the street with, like, bugs crawling on him. He's a drunk. And Korra's like, are you General Titus? And he's like, I'm not doing that anymore. Go away. And... We cut to them, and they're giving him a bath. They're, like, getting him bathed and stuff. And Cora's mm-hmm. like, look, you were the greatest general ever. And he's like, no, I got all those people killed that one time, and I'm so depressed, and please leave me alone so I can just le- stay here and die. And Cora's like, well, you don't have to fight for redemption. How about you fight for revenge for the people that were murdered? And, and he's, he's like, oh, cool, I don't have to work on myself. Okay, good deal. He's like, revenge, that sounds good. And Nemesis in the back's like, I thought I just said don't fight for revenge. You told me we weren't fighting for revenge. <laughs> it, shush, shush, shush. We just tell you what you want to hear, okay? Shush, shush. <laughs> and he's like, well, thank you for cleaning me. And that's all it needed for me to get here. It's like, once these characters are introduced and they join the team, we really don't hear from them anymore. No. Maybe part two will give them some deeper stories, but it's like, they're a badass, join the team, get in the back while we do the shit. Yeah, you're cleaned up now. You got, instead of a nasty beard, a little goatee-looking thing. I don't know. Uh, Back on Scream's ship, the bounty hunters bring that dude we saw in the Scorpion container. Mm-hmm. And Screen's like, tell me everything you know about these rebels. And he's like, well, I think the rebels... He, or he goes, promise me you'll set me free. And he goes, I promise when we're done, you will be free. And I'm like, oh boy, there's there's too many ways you can read into that. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, how about you promise me this? Promise me once I tell you what we know, you will let me out of here, give me a ship so I can go back home. Yeah, you will 
you will leave me alive and breathing. <laughs> it's like, I promise you will get what's coming to you. <laughs> like, no. Okay, I need specifics. Let's get a piece of paper out. Sign it. Sign this contract. Have somebody, you know, notarize it. It'll be official. Yeah. So the guy tells him, like, oh, I think they're going to this planet, this drop-off planet where, like, ships go or something to refuel or whatever the fuck. And mm. Screen's like, great. And he pulls out this big needle gun. And the guy's like, well, I, th- I thought you told me you'd let me free. And he goes, oh, I am setting you free. And he puts this needle gun in the back of the scorpion machine and it, like, inserts the needle into this guy's back of his head. Which makes more sense with the scorpion because they got a, oh, yeah. a needle on the end of their tail. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. It's a weird design, though. They're like, I want to design something like a scorpion that will, like, keep capture people. And then if you want to kill them, you just shoot them in the back of the head. I mean, clean. Yeah. No I blood. Guess. But there's a line that I missed. I rewatched this line or this scene before we did this. Mm. And Ed Screen is like, dissect his brain and find out what else you can see about these rebels. And oh, like, yeah. Dissect his brain. What the fuck are you going to find out from that? Yeah. He's like, I killed him. I just punctured his spine. His brain's good, so see what you can get from it. So they have evidently have like, like huge technology yeah. that we don't know anything about. I get well, yeah, it's because he gets sucked off by some tentacle thing. <laughs> I know that's some kind of technology. We we're, we're gonna be able to read brains even if they're not functioning anymore. Um, weird. Ed Screen looks terrible in this scene. He's got like a white business shirt on with black slacks and like a skinny tie. He, going Matrix, really for right? the Nazi tie, Nazi mm, look almost. Okay. But yeah, Matrixy. And there's a Matrix ripoff at the end of this movie we'll get to. It's all the slow mo he likes. He's like, this reminds me of the Matrix. Reminds me of that 20th century film I watched in the archives that I love so much called The Matrix. <laughs> Surprised nobody's called Morpheus. <laughs> That's how about what we... Titus should have been called Morpheus. Yeah. How about we meet a character named Neo? Oh. That's what Cora is. Cora's Neo. She's the one. I'm surprised no one was saying, like, they are the one. We have to find them. They are the one. <laughs> so we go to the next planet, and Cora is just standing here talking to this big fish looking type guy alien dude mm. and this alien guy is speaking in his own language and he's like oh we want to help you and you should hear from us very soon and Korra's like thank you so much she bows to him and pulls her jedi hood back up and walks away and then all these ships start landing near them where they are on this planet i almost forgot about that um because they're in levitica this guy's name's King Leviticus. Yeah, and he is the cutest looking creature. <laughs> is he I a... just love him. He's got like little tentacles that come out of his nostrils. I don't know. That would normally bother me, but I just think it's the cutest thing. Yeah. I love how this creature looks. I hate that he's not in it for very long. Like he talks to Cora and he comes back a little later, which we'll get into. But um... yeah, no, I understand. He's he's. It's it's kind of an interesting design. I mean, I've seen it all a million times in Star Wars and mm. stuff. But, he, you know, cute looking, like you said. Uh, all these ships start landing around the Millennium Falcon. And the leaders of the Reb- Rebels, I'm guessing, the brother and sister. Her name is Deborah, I think. And the main guy, the other guy, her brother, is played by Ray Fisher, who was in 
Zack Snyder's Justice League. He played Cyborg. He played the Cyborg oh, character. Okay. I'm like, he looked familiar too, so okay. But they're like, look, we need your help. They're like, we're not really looking to help you guys here. Like, King Leviticus is kind to us. We don't really want to blow that up and get people killed. And Gunner's like, look, I gave your people food when they needed it. So now I'm calling in the fucking favor here, assholes. And... Yeah, and then Cora, she points out something good, too, because she's all like, you know what? Gunner fucked up. He sold you some grain, and they found us, and they're sure to find you, too. Yeah, and if we do get captured, if you don't help us, I will tell them where you are, you pieces of fucking shit. (laughs) Yeah, so either way, you're going down. Whether you go down with us, you go down on your own. Yeah, she doesn't say that, but it would be hilarious. Yeah, (laughs) no, true. And... (laughs) Ray Fisher's character, these guys, he gives them this speech, and we didn't really say what they look like, but they've got dreads, but they also have blue face paint, like, over their eyes. Mm -hmm. And Ray Fisher's giving this speech, he was like, look, I will help them. And he's like, who's gonna help me? He's like, the mother world has kept us down for far too long. We need to help them and help everybody who is oppressed, because they may take our lives, (laughs) but they'll never take our freedom! (laughs) Yes. The sister's like, he was watching Braveheart. (laughs) Like, you know, just before we landed, we were watching Braveheart. He was feeling it. (laughs) He was he was in the moment and he just had to do this speech and everybody had to put on blue face paint. It was was a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Such a rip off. It's so crazy. But some of the soldiers of their their group break off to help Ray Fisher's character. And he tells his sister, he's like, I will see you again. And Tariq, the blacksmith's like, huh, maybe this isn't a suicide mission after all. I'm like, you've got 10 people. Like, is you've, it 10? You've literally got like 10 people because it's the people they picked up on the planets and then like Ray Fisher. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, okay. You know, his soldiers, they it only looks like five people stepped away to help Ray Fisher here. And he's like, this isn't going to be a suicide mission after all. I'm like, you've said that this dreadnought that you're going to fight against can raise planets to the ground. Hmm. Whatever. Okay. Oh, whatever you need to tell yourself. Uh, They leave the planet. They're all on this big Millennium Falcon ship, and Korra and Charlie Hunnam talk, and you're almost like, oh, is there something between them? Mm -hmm. Maybe. And Charlie Hunnam's like, I'm going to help you fight. He's like, I kind of want to give up this life. I want to help the rebels and fight. Please believe me, I don't have different intentions at all about this. And we cut back to Levitica, and Ed Screen and his people are there, and they are, like, burning this world to the ground. Mm. And King Leviticus is like, oh, please, please don't... He's talking in English here, which I'm like, how come come you didn't speak in English before? Interesting. He's like, she's like, yes, I understand. But he's like, please don't kill us. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is... that. Ooh, I didn't catch that. Screen's like, okay... No, it's all fine. I'm going to get my stick out here real quick, and everything's going to be cool. Don't worry about it. And he kills this fish in one hit again. Oh, I hated that part. He was just so cute. Um, They're all loading back up onto the dreadnought, and this thing fires on the planet, and it's like all the whole planet is basically exploding while they're flying away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this ship can blow up an entire planet feel like I've seen that before with the Death Star in Star Wars. What? 
God damn it, Zack Snyder. Another ripoff? No way. So now we cut to this planet. It, the planet is unregistered train depot is what comes up. <laughs> or trade. I thought it was trade. Or trade. Okay. Yeah. And Charlie Hunnam's like, I've got to drop some shit off here and then I'm done with this this smuggler life. It's over. Mm. Then I'm going to come help you. <laughs> what is it? Oh, it's in Braveheart where he's like, I love you. I was have. <laughs> and, you know, they're all kind of overseeing all this stuff getting dropped off from Charlie Hunnam's ship. And Charlie Hunnam is talking to a dude who looks exactly, maybe was, one of the bounty hunters from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he's all like, he's like, okay, once I unload everything, it's all going to be good to go. And, you know, <laughs> Cora's like, that bounty hunter looks familiar. Was he in Lord of the Rings? I swear I saw him. And I called this part. I called it before it even happened. Yeah. Well, surprise, surprise. He, Charlie Hunnam, betrays him. Mm, he's an asshole. Yes. And all of these scorpions come out. These They break out of all of these, like, boxes and shipping stuff that he was unloading. And it, like, they immediately capture everybody. Yeah. I mean, this part was kind of neat. I was like... I didn't see the scorpion coming, but I did see, I mean, you're just going to give up your trifle ways, the stealing and yeah, there's a word I'm looking for. It's not coming to me. Well, he gives a little speech here where he's like, because at this point, the big penis ship, which I'm surprised they didn't know that it was coming, is like starting to land on this little landing pad that they're on. Yep. And Charlie Hunnam's like, do you know what the mother world did to me? He goes, when I was a boy, they came and they killed everybody. He's like, but they didn't kill them right away. He's like, they made them starve and tortured them from their ships above. He's like, and I found out that day to never be on the wrong side of the mother world. Hmm. And he's like, it's like the teeth in his head because he's got like the silver teeth or whatever. The way he's talking, it's like it's giving him problems where he's like, I learned to never be on the mother world. <laughs> He's like, oh, these teeth. (laughs) They killed the planet. Killed everybody around it. Like, you're supposed to have an Irish accent. He's like, I'm trying, I'm trying. It's fucking teeth. (laughs) I didn't notice it before, but yeah, you're right. It's like those teeth were making his his head hurt, so they gave him some Novocaine while he shot his scenes. He's like, how's my hash? My hash all car? (laughs) <laughs> and he's drooling. Yeah. <laughs> and he's trying to look all hot and stuff. And he's like, I will help you. I will help you. I love you. <laughs> now we're on the wrong side of here. Cora calls him a piece of shit here because she's like, what about helping us? And he's like, he's like, yeah, don't be on the wrong side of history or whatever. And she's like, you piece of shit. You piece of shit. <laughs> the, and the, I mean, and he's like, do you know how much money I'm getting for all of you guys? Like the most wanted people? Yeah, I know. And Ed Screen comes down here, and this is where we get the stats of all these people that we should have got at the beginning. Uh, that's right, yeah. He's like, oh, look at all these people here. And he's like, when I bring you to the... I will put you before the Senate, and they will reward me handsomely for all of you. And he looks at the blacksmith, and he's like, Tarek Decimus, which Decimus was a name of the main character in, or one of the names of the main character in Gladiator, Ripoff. Oh, okay. 
Okay. But he goes, Tarek Decimus, or should I call you Prince Tarek? What? And I'm like, Prince of what? Prince from where? Of darkness. <laughs> Satan. Um, he looks at General Titus and he's like, oh, General Titus, your strategies that won the battle of... <clears throat> I didn't catch the name. <laughs> the battle of... <clears throat> were legendary. <laughs> and he goes, and the farmer. He goes, you're the farmer. He's like, what are you doing here? You're fucking terrible. I don't understand why you're here. <laughs> And then he goes to Nemesis, the lady, and he's like, Oh, Nemesis, you killed 16 generals and all their families in revenge for the death of your children. Mm. Would have been good to know early on. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's insane. And then he's like, Oh, and then you, Cora, or should I call you Othelaus? And he pulls her gun out and he's like, I know who you are. And you're the most wanted woman in all of the galaxy. He goes, Scargiver. Mm. Which I looked up is the name of the next movie, I guess. Oh, boy. And um, he's like, oh, I will be rewarded handsomely. And Charlie Hunnam's like, I did all the bloody work here now. So Charlie Hunnam gets the gunner, gets Gunner, who is not locked up in this scorpion. He puts the spike gun in Gunner's hand and is like... You're going to have to be the one to kill her. And Gunner puts the spike in the back of the thing, ready to shoot it into Cora's head. And Hunnam goes, I know you love her. And I'm like, we are way too deep in the movie for this shit now. Yeah, but he's like, I know you're in love with her, but you're going to have to kill her. Like, does he? Does he have to? Well, he doesn't because he's like, I'm sorry, Cora. And he pulls the gun out of the machine Puts it underneath Charlie Hunnam's net or chin and shoots it into his face. Which really surprised me. I'm like, Gunner's learning a little bit from picking up all these other people. He's like, I could be a badass too. Yeah. Cora uh, gets free from the scorpion. She grabs a gun from some guy, poses at the camera real quick. When I was mm-hmm. watching the scene to get everybody's like stats real quick, she's like, gets free and she's like, gets this gun. It's like. Yeah, and then runs and starts shooting people. Gotta have a badass pose. Um, Nemesis gets free and frees everybody else. And like a line from Star Wars Episode One, Ray Fisher's character is like, "Get to your ships!" to all of his men. Mm-hmm. Which the Queen Amidala says that at the beginning. She's like, "Get to your ships!" when they're all like fighting at the end. Oh damn! I mean, it's a huge fucking fight. Like these fighters are getting into these guys are getting into their ships. Um. This dude who is, like, flying the Dreadnought, he's, like, aiming the blaster cannons at these ships. And it was funny because there's a dude getting into his little fighter, and he's looking at this thing, like, track him. It's like, (laughs) and he's, like, looking at it, like, where's this going? Where I don't know where this is going. Oh, I'm dead. (laughs) Blows him up. Oh, you're aiming at me. Shit. So Ray Fisher climbs up on this Dreadnought to the cockpit where this dude is firing on his people stabs through the cockpit and the pilot inside just kind of like ducks it. He's like, eh. Well, it's going in such slow motion. Yeah, he sees it. That he's able to move out of the way with no problem. Yeah, because Ray Fisher's like, uh, Like, it is the slowest of slow motions. Yeah, and the pilot's like checking his watch, like, how long is he going to be in slow motion? Mm -hmm. But yeah, he stabs through it and the pilot's like, you know, ducks it and shoots Ray Fisher in the stomach. Yeah. 
and Ray Fisher ends up killing this guy, and the pilot, like, leans on the controls, and the ship goes down. Yeah, only one guy. One dude was controlling this plant, this ship that I'm assuming had, like, millions of people on it, it seems. I don't know. It's huge. It is. It's it's ginormous. And I told you, and I'm like, even in the Death Star, and I don't think they tell you in the movies, but in the comics and stuff, like, the Death Star is driven by quite a few people. It takes a lot to man, to man that gigantic ship. Yeah, I would think that there would be more than one dude that controls the ship. Of this size, at least. Yeah, I know. But no, Ray Fisher, he like, you know, points the stick down, you know, and put steps on the gas, and this thing goes down. The ship gets destroyed because Ray Fisher took out one person. <laughs> Zack Snyder's like, okay, we're going to have to take out this huge ship. What's the best way of doing this? Only have one pilot. That's it. We're, we're kind of running out of budget here. Instead of having him kill like a ton of people in this really cool scene that I have, mm-hmm. I'm just going to have him destroy one dude and kind of make the stick that controls the ship go down. And, and have a little joystick. I mean, they have all this technology, but a joystick is what controls this goddamn ship. <laughs> yeah. Um, everybody's fighting everybody at this point, and Ed Screen's like running away. Cora does catch up with him and like breaks his arm fighting here and mm-hmm. she ends up knocking him off this platform onto like this tiny little hovering yeah I it's like a buoy in the water almost yeah i guess it's something a ship could tie to maybe yeah maybe i don't know uh cora jumps down on it here and they keep fighting even more she like gets knocked off and is hanging on by like a like a steel chain and he like breaks the chain and she almost falls but she hits him with the chain and she like hits. It. Does she grab his own thing? And she, she it, first off, she looks like she breaks his arm or almost fixes it because it seems like she breaks his arm again. If it's the same one, I couldn't tell. But it'd be funny if he's like, "Oh, you fixed it." Yeah. Oh, thank you. It was like it's almost got knocked out of joint, and then she put it back in. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and she gets his stick, and she stabs him with it too, if I remember right. Yep, and it broke. Actually, I call it the death stick. (laughs) Death stick, which is from Star Wars. There's a guy in there trying to sell drugs to Obi-Wan, and he's like, do you want some death sticks? Ooh, sounds like a bad drug. Yeah, well, she stabs him with it, but then she also hits him with it, knocking his teeth out on this platform. And as he's stabbed, he falls off this platform, killing him, you would think. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Um, so she's on this platform, they've won the day, and Prince Tarek, we don't know what Prince means, if he's a prince of the Empire? Prince of another planet? That camera angle was weird at this point, too, if I remember right. It's like looking down, or they're looking down, and the camera's like looking up, kind of? Yeah. Yeah. This dude's never wearing a shirt, so he's showing off his six-pack, which I think you liked quite a bit. I mean, it wasn't bad. <laughs> I have to be honest, I think at this point he walked up in the camera because they're like trying to get Cora off this little buoy thing. And mm-hmm. he walked up and you were like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, hello, Prince. So General Titus is like, we have won. We have done something so great here today. A bunch of nobodies fighting and winning against the Empire. Like, um, okay. And Korra is like, what will happen now is that all of the ships of the Empire will be recalled now that one of them was destroyed. Question mark. Mm. Why? I don't know. So he's like, we bought some time. 
And they were like, do you think we'll all still get paid even though we didn't go to the planet and fight these people that we were supposed to? And they're like, (laughs) (laughs) seriously, are we getting paid? Are we seriously getting paid, though? Yeah, no. Uh, The Millennium Falcon lands on the planet from the very beginning, and Mm. everybody's riding these space horses back to the village that we saw at the beginning of this movie. Uh, blacksmith's guy blacksmith guy is like this would have been a beautiful planet to die on and he's like oh about what ed screen's character said about you earlier about you being like a badass you know most wanted woman in the galaxy is that true and she's like don't believe everything you hear he's like well you know that guy said it so i have a kind of feeling that it may be true mm-hmm uh, as we are, you know, getting closer to the village, Anthony Hopkins' robot stands up, and he's got, like, antlers on now. Yeah. You made a joke of how funny it would be if he had killed everybody in the village at this point. Because that's the only thing you see. You see him, and I'm like, oh, my God, did he kill everybody? He went crazy. Well, we talked later, and I was like, it'd be funny if he's wearing someone's face, like Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> he's like, oh, you were gone. I, I, mi- I malfunctioned and killed everybody, and I'm wearing this man's face. Isn't it pretty? <laughs> so this camera like kind of pulls back and Anthony Hopkins' robot is basically like, see you in the sequel. I'm sure I'll be a bigger character there. Mm. And we cut back to the <laughs> the train port or whatever and this ship finds Ed Screen's body mm-hmm. in the wreckage and pulls him out. All these guys are hooking him up to, like, all these USB ports. They're like, no, no, not a mini USB, a USB-C. No, lightning. We need a lightning connector. And they're hooking him up to the ship, and they put him in this jelly, which that mm. is directly from the Matrix. Absolutely. He's laying in this, like, little container, and this jelly fills it yep. while he's, like, kind of... Fetal. Fetal. He's, like, in the fetal position like the people in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. And they were like, all right, we've got him all connected. Turn it on, and... Ed Screen goes into like this virtual world where he's talking to the General Belaris. Oh yeah, it's weird. And he's like, "I can get her for you now. I know where she's gonna go. I know how to get her." And he's like, "It's gonna be fine. We know who they all are." And Belaris, they're on this ice world, and you see like these big fish swimming underneath this ice, wherever the fuck they are. And Belaris keeps like smacking his stick down on the ice, kind of breaking it more and more. Yeah. Polaris is like, you think that this is good? That the most wanted woman in all the galaxy is now partnered with the greatest general ever known? Hmm. And he's like, I'll get her for you, I swear. It's another kind of Star Wars ripoff. This is like Darth Vader talking to the Emperor here. He's like, my master, Luke Skywalker, is here. We will find him. And Yeah, well, she was talking about, uh, or he was talking about killing her. Yeah, and... I think, doesn't Belarus say, like, not to? He's like, I want her alive. Yeah, he's like, no, that's my daughter. I want her back here alive. Don't ask me why she's my daughter or why I took her, but I want her. He's like, we are going to bring her before the Senate and publicly execute her. And Belarus smacks his stick down and it smashes the ice. Ed Screen falls down into the ice and he wakes back up on the ship where he was. Screams at the camera and we cut to black. And if you thought that that was bad, this movie then threatens the entire audience and it says, part two coming April 19th. (laughs) You're like, oh, fuck. Damn. Don't threaten me more of this shit. Damn. That's wild. This was a wild movie. It was terrible. Oh, yeah. Terribly wild movie. It's, 
I mean, it was bad because it's just a ripoff of other movies, and you were like, well, it could have done things better, and I'm like, yeah, those other movies did those parts better. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I know. I, I always want to be, like, positive. I'm like, you know what? If they would have done a little differently, if they would have worked a little harder, yeah, maybe. But um, I, I don't know. I don't like Zack Snyder as a director. He made one good movie, in my opinion, which was Dawn of the Dead. That was his very first movie. Thought it was a great movie. I mean, he was it was a remake of another movie, so he already mm. had something great to work on. Yeah. But I think his movies after have just been terrible. Like, 300 was okay. I didn't really care for it. Everyone else thought it was the greatest movie ever. Mm. Um, Sucker Punch was god-awful. You know, he just has a bad track record, and I don't know how he keeps getting the money to make these movies. I don't know either. And if you want more, you know, proof... He was the cinematographer on this movie, and we've talked at length of how terrible it looks. It was really bad. Like, even I noticed. Yeah, and I mean, he really needs a come-to-Jesus moment where someone either, like, smacks him around a bit and be like, Hey, you don't go, don't go all crazy with this one. Try and just focus on making a good movie. Stop writing these movies yourself, because he does that. <laughs> Stop doing that. Get a good writer. Hire a good cinematographer and get somebody that will rein you in when you're directing. Be like, no, dude, like, not so much slow-mo. I know it's a tired joke. Everyone always says that, like, it was Zack Snyder slow-mo. But it's true. Like, he mm. used slow-mo and everything, and he needs, I don't know. I think some directors need to be reined in, and others are great when they work on their own. Like, Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan wrote, directed that movie, they just let him do what he did, and he was great. Right. But some directors really need someone over their shoulder being like, that's not a good idea. Yeah. And if, if you recognize that, then good on you. But it seems like Zack Snyder's like, I'm the best. I don't need any help from anybody. I guess. And everyone says he's the nicest dude because usually the people that he works with always want to work with him again. Okay. So he may be the nicest guy in the world, but really got to worry about the product. Right. Like, we're making this movie. We're spending all this money. Let's try and make it good. Because, like, every movie that he's done so far has been terrible. And you can talk to me at length about how good you think that four-hour Justice League movie is. I thought it was bad. I thought it was bloated. It did not need to be four hours. And it was just more of the same. It's the same old Zack Snyder. You're like, well, it's going to have his same old faults in here, too. You just know it. That's all right. Gives us something to talk about. Or maybe he could be a good trailer director because all of his trailers for his movies look kind of interesting. Hmm. You're like, wow, that looks pretty cool. Movie's going to suck. At this point, <laughs> you, you just know. You're like, he's good at making trailers, getting you interested, and then the movie sucks. So maybe um, just hire him to make trailers for movies. Yeah. I mean, it seems like he's doing his own thing no matter what. But, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with this. Part two, because you know we're going to watch it. We can't just do part one. And yeah. Part two. I know, because we were talking and I was like, you know, the movie sucked, but I had a really fun time watching it with you. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun talking off air about this. And I mean, it's just been it's been a good thing to joke about, basically. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, April 19th, we'll put that on the books. We'll definitely do the second one when it comes out. Yeah. And um, that's my theories for it here is that. You know, the, I think the princess is still alive, and 
I think you got something there. It'll be interesting to see if you're right. Yeah, I could write this movie, but if I did, it wouldn't be anything like this because it wouldn't rip off Star Wars and all these others so blatantly. But Yeah. But we really thank everybody for listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode, uh, please help us spread the word by telling a friend. Uh, and definitely do the rate and review on iTunes or pretty much anywhere. But if you do it on iTunes, that's where we'll give you a shout out because we can actually look that stuff up. No, I did want to do a special shout out to uh, everybody in Ireland that downloaded our episodes because we actually got a ranking thanks to you. Oh, God. That reminds me. I just please forgive me for the terrible impressions. Yes. Sorry. We we, we do this for fun. Um, we know or, you know, Scott and I know that we, you know, we'll stick with our own accents if we're talking you know, but uh, on this show, we are going to do all kinds of shit. Yeah. Which is why we're unscripted and unfiltered. So it's getting wild. But yeah, no, I, I we definitely appreciate that. Thank you for all the people that have listened in Ireland because we said we got quite a bit or a few that ranked us. Yeah, we got enough to get a ranking in uh, one of the platforms. It's not a very known platform, but hey, I'll take it. So that was Rebel Moon. Hopefully that was funnier than the actual movie itself. And I think it would have had to have been by default. Uh, yeah. Great. So that was Rebel Moon. Next time when we get together, this is when Shelly and I have been talking about how it would probably be a very wild movie. We're going to be talking about the Wizard of Oz sequel mm -hmm. that came out years later. We'll be talking about Return to Oz. So we'll, we'll drop some acid, watch this movie, and maybe make some incoherent notes and talk about it next time. Can't wait. <laughs> Bye. Bye.